this is the News Club, which is run by uh, Newspeaks, which is an organisation that I work for, and the Media Fund, which is an organisation that combines lots of independent journalism outlets from around the UK. So we are in the London Club, and there's a club in Manchester, and there's a club in Dorset, and there will soon be a club in Sheffield as well. So every week uh, we meet here, um, and Sheffield meets and Dorset meets and then a couple of days later we record a podcast and kind of compare what everybody has said across different places in the country. So it's a local event but it's also part of a more national project. And we're really, really lucky today to be joined by Matt Kennard, who's an investigative journalist uh, focusing on the arms trade and we'll be talking about that today. And Samantha Asamadu, who founded Media Diversified and is a filmmaker and journalist and is going to be talking to us about the disproportionate rate of uh, <laughs> abductions and um, murders of young black children and young people in London. So, um, I think we'll get started because um, we've got a slightly smaller group today, but I think it's likely that other people will file in, but I just want to kind of get moving so we don't lose the momentum. So um, I think we'll start with Sam, if that's all right. Yeah. And the way that it works is we get an introduction from one of our speakers, and then we have a discussion about it, and then we break off into two smaller groups. And the idea is that we want to get as much conversation going as possible. So. <laughs> Or subtly closes the squeaky door. Um, so we'll have a discussion with Sam on that topic, and then we'll go on to Matt's topic, and then we'll break into two smaller groups, and then we'll come back. Yeah. All right. Fantastic, Sam. Right. I, have, I don't think you need a microphone. No, no, okay, good. no. Booming voice, anyway. <laughs> In fact, I can hear the acoustics. Great room. Yeah. Great room. Um, so yeah, I'm Samantha Asmaldu. Uh, as Charlotte said, uh, I'm a former journalist, I guess, foreign correspondent more, more so, and uh, documentary filmmaker. Now I do lots of different things, and now I'm a writer, actually. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I've said that out loud, but I'm writing some uh, stuff that's about uh, being a foreign correspondent as a woman uh, in Africa and around the world. And I got to, to interview one of my heroes yesterday, Kim Longinetto, um, who's a great Film, filmmaker, and uh, anyway, enough about me. So, I'm here to talk about um, black, missing children and adults uh, in the UK, more so London, even more specifically North London, even more specifically Enfield, um, actually. But, let's not forget the rest of the UK, because it does actually happen. Uh, around there. And I said missing, but I also want to say murdered as well, because uh, there's one case I'm going to talk about uh, where a child, the child, let's not forget, 17 when he went missing, is um, now found dead. And uh, uh, yeah, I, just, I count 17 as a child. My nephews are, you know, that age or younger, or a bit older, and I still think of them as children. So, yeah. so firstly, uh, just to read a little excerpt from the Evening Standard, it's an all two-week-old uh, article, I guess, three weeks. Uh, so, Abdi Ali, 17, vanished from his family home hours after his sister's wedding on the December 11th of last year, 2017. Uh, he, the family, well, the police were alerted and his family made desperate appeals for information before on August 27th of this year. So eight months later, is that? Um, his body was found in the loft of a property less than a mile away from where 
his family home is, where the wedding was, uh, after a tip-off to officers. He had suffered blunt force uh, trauma to his head and stab injuries. Um, I mean, I could read you some quotes from his family uh, from that article, but they're really very sad. And you can imagine a family who haven't seen their child for eight months uh, would be very upset. Um, so what I'll go on to say is that uh, Gary Hopkins, 36, and Stacey Doherty, 28, will appear at the Old Bailey on November the 23rd on charges of murder, preventing the course of justice and preventing lawful burial, as they hid in, in their attic. So I'm going to sort of go back a few years and then come back to the present again. So in 2013, I found a media diversified and we published articles and so on. But I wanted to go a bit wider. One of the, 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 the premise of uh, the organisation was to get more black, brown, Muslim, working class voices, other class voices into the mainstream as well. So I sort of uh, uh, took my battering ram and, uh, and, and forced my way into the Telegraph. Uh, at the time, the commission editor, one of the commission editors of the Telegraph was called Emma Barnett. And so I had asked one of our writers, Joy Go Ma, to write an article about missing women and children because I just happened to see that there was a lot of missing women and uh, children that we would see uh, uh, on the socials and so on. But what precipitated that particular article is three African-American women had been found murdered in America, I believe it was Cleveland, and uh, how it turned out was that these women had gone missing for a number of, a number of weeks. Uh, their bodies were found outside a building, somebody's house, and they actually caught the perpetrator. It was a man, uh, a black male, who, who had killed them, and uh, they ranged from age 18 upwards. And what it turned out was he was a serial killer. He was not only sort of, you know, abducting and killing black women, he was, well, he was specifically targeting black women. And uh, I found it a little bit odd that not much, uh, you know, uh, a groundswell of, of interest was, was, was around that. And so I, I was tweeting away all of that stuff and I sort of, in my brash manner, sort of asking journalists directly, why are you writing about this? You've just written about these other three, because at the time, another three white women, who, who uh, white and Latina women, had been found murdered, and it turned out that was a serial killer as well, but there was a lot. No, they were found murdered. Sorry, they were found alive. They'd been uh, abducted, and the man had kept them alive. And so there was a lot of stuff going on about that, but nothing about three actually murdered persons when it was a serial killer. You know, we care about serial killers, don't we? I hope. So anyway, it took a while, but we got an article into the, into the Telegraph by Joy, uh, and that was about missing uh, children, etc. I'm just going to read a little bit from it. Every year, about 600 people are murdered in the UK, and the US sees around 16,000 cases of homicide, so it's a big difference. Of course, not every single one of these cases will garner media attention or gain widespread sympathy from the public, but when the cases that do attain high-profile status almost invariably feature a white victim, it is difficult not to wonder if race is a factor in the media's reactions as well as emotional investment on the part of society. Now, this isn't theory at all, because this has literally happened this week. There's a, there's a 18-year-old boy his, I think his name's Thomas, I can't remember his surname, who went missing, a white teenager who went missing uh, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, on the first week of his university. 
family obviously looking for him, and it's a really sad case. Um, and he, uh, though they haven't found his body, they have identified two perpetrators, and I think they've arrested them. They turned up on CCTV somewhere. Uh, it's not definite that he's murdered, but it does look like that. And that's really sad and really horrible, and I hope his family get uh, justice for that. But there has been quite a bit, if you haven't if you've noticed, about him. You know, he made the ITV, the standard, all of this. Whereas, uh, uh, while they're looking for him, whilst Abdi, over eight months, didn't make the TVs, did make a lot of local papers, but didn't make TV, and I wonder if he had, if there would have been any more you know, because he was tipped off, and it's obviously people in the area knew that these people were dodgy. Well, okay, let me not get in trouble. <laughs> people in the area must have known that he had some connection with them, and that's why somebody tipped, tipped them off. That's great, I don't know why I'm drinking. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but, but uh, yeah, he didn't get that ground sort. And I, it's actually something I did today on Twitter, I'm not Twitter too much, but uh, it's... it's is look and see, I'd seen him on a moment, a Twitter moment, you know, you go to your search bar and you see these Twitter moments, and that's how I knew about the case. And I thought, you know, the, 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 where, Abdi Ali didn't get a Twitter moment, there's another girl who just went missing two days ago from a care home, a black uh, girl, she's not going to get a Twitter moment, she hasn't even got, you know, she hasn't got proper local papers yet, you know, she's just a funny little website that came up. And uh, hope, she will, I hope, make at least a voice, newspaper and so on, and find her. She's gone missing before, once before. Um, uh, obviously a vulnerable 12-year-old now. And I wonder if a vulnerable 12... Well, you know what, a white working class 12-year-old, they probably wouldn't get as much attention either. It is about class and race. Uh, um, so, and family, if you've got a family structure. And people that couldn't that will look after look for you, but Abdi did have, yeah. Anyway, so Twitter moments are interesting because, you know, what happens is they come. When I, when I say Twitter moments, I mean when they're done by actual Twitter, not just by yourself, you can do it by yourself. So they happen when there's a critical mass of, uh, of tweets, and they happen when uh, people are interested, you know, or if there's a police case, a high-profile police case. You know, and so where you find black people getting in these Twitter moments is often about some celebrity or some piece of beef between celebrities, some, you know, some like ridiculous outrage cycle about cultural appropriation. Um, but we don't make, when we know, when we're in danger or when we're missing, and I find that quite, quite, uh, quite not good. Uh, I don't know about you, but maybe we can talk about that afterwards. Let me just go to what my schedule was. So in 2016, oh, okay, sorry. So I did say Gary Hopkins and Stacey Doherty, 28, will appear at the Old Bailey. Now, it's hard to find their pictures anywhere. Uh, these are two people who, who stabbed and, and, and crushed the skull of a 17-year-old. Yeah, who knows who they are. I have seen pictures of them, but, you know, I searched that. Um, there's, a t there's a hashtag for Abdi Ali, unfortunately... I'm one of the few people that actually post on it, and, uh, and through posting on it, I got in contact with their family, or, you know, I gave my commiserations, and then uh, I've been in contact with the family for a few weeks now. I'll tell you about that later, but anyway. So, in 2016, I... So, we've, so to situate you, to recap, we've got an article 2013 about missing children, and, I mean, that goes... That looks at... Uh, obviously, you all know who Madeleine McCann is, uh, how could you not? But in the same time, in the UK, arts about cases of missing children, most will be aware of the disappearance of Madeleine McCann in 2007, despite a child being reported missing every three minutes. 
While her disappearance is no doubt a huge tragedy, we have to wonder why it's Madeleine McCann, a pretty white girl who has captured the sympathy of public, and not girls with the names like Amina Khan, Elizabeth um, Ogunbaibi, or Folowia Alajojo, all of whom are listed on Missing Kids UK. Now, this again is a 2013 article. I don't know if they've been found now. Let's, let's, let's hope they have. Um, so, so to go on, so 2013 commissioned another article because then I kept seeing women, actually, black uh, children, teenagers and women coming up on those missing children uh, Twitter accounts and so on, police accounts. And, uh, and you know, it's, it, I found it quite distressing. So I asked one of our writers, one of our columnists at the time, Shamin Suleiman, to uh, write an article about uh, there is an epidemic of missing women and girls of colour in the UK. Now, we specifically went for women. However, it turns out there's a lot of boys and, yeah, teenage boys missing as well, and, and children. Um, so that article went viral and on the back of it she wrote another piece very similar for the independent in that in the thumbnail they put a picture of madeline mccann and she had to have a fight with them and i think they titled it oh if only these the black children were as pretty as madeline mccann then uh, then we would know more about them which you know was very offensive and she got them to change it after a lot of uh, of, of of back and forth because that's absolutely the opposite point she was making and so, uh, and, and on the back of that, because she was then moved to America, so I went on LBC to do a, uh, a talk about, about the article and what was going on, because it was just, you know, because they did, LBC is, the, what is it, the big conversation? I don't know. The big conversation? That is it. So there we go. <laughs> they will talk about these things, usually with white presenters, but, you know, small steps. So I had a, so I had a talk with uh, Sheila, Sheila? I can't remember her name. Um, about that, it was quite good. She also had somebody else on the phone, like to do a sort of two-way thing, you know, because they, you know, you can't just have one. Well, like, Nobody's telling anything. You've got to get a, a police, white police man to come on and butt it. And he, uh, and, and and I said at one point, I think something about I read something in the Daily Mail, which he took a front to. Oh, you read the Daily Mail, do you? I was like, yeah, I do. I read everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? How dare you? <laughs> Please, so yeah, he wasn't convinced that there was an issue, but you know, maybe he is now. I think he was on my Twitter the other day talking rubbish too. But um, so, so, yeah, so that happened. So, you know, that was 2016. So we've jumped from 2013, 2016, and still there's not like, you know, massive connecting the dots attention, um, which I think is uh, ridiculous. So I'm going to then, in that case, now jump to 2018, because we've only got a couple of minutes, have we? And, um, so in 2018, I came across, I don't know how, uh, this, this story about Abdi Ali. Oh, I came across it because uh, on the 27th of August, I guess, uh, he was found, and subsequently, there's a Twitter account that, that, that sort of, I don't know, if they support the police or something, they just tell people about stuff that's going on in North London. And they tweeted, I was like, what is this? This guy, he's, he was missing for eight months. He's been found, he's been, what? And these two people, these two white people, how is a 17-year-old connected to two white people in their 20s, uh, no, in their, yeah, 20s and 30s? He was like, so I tweeted a load of journalists and I said, look, am I seeing this right? Is this what happened? You know, why is it on this funny Twitter account? And yeah, yeah, a couple got back, but uh, they were like, oh, because there's a trial, nobody can say anything. But subsequently, it did turn out the Guardian Daily Mail and uh, BBC 
in their very different ways actually reported it. It's quite amusing, amusing isn't the right word, but you know, how the Daily Mail was sensationalised, the Sun was sensationalised in a different way, and then the Guardian will be quite mute. I'm not a fan of Guardian, I'll say that now. And then the uh, BBC was completely neutral, you'd think he'd hit himself over the head, you know, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there was attention paid to it, but I, you know, I was quite, quite obsessed about it. Because I always, I see these kids, they come up their picture and I just think of my nephews, even when Trayvon Martin was killed, you know, I just saw my nephew. And so, uh, so then, yeah, I started tweeting about it and looked at, uh, some of the tweets wondering why there wasn't many, and then I saw one of his family members, a niece, called, and that's his cousin, and sort of just said, I'm really sorry if you're lost, and so on. And then I thought, you know, this isn't enough. I'm not gonna just say, I'm sorry. What, what, what? So, uh, so uh, with a couple of people, we're doing a fundraiser for him, because initially they put a fundraising for his, for his funeral, which was last Saturday. They wanted to, you know, make it a big funeral they, in Elmfield, I assume because uh, I don't want to not assume that they don't have lots of money, but, so they just wanted to raise £5,000 for his funeral to have a good send-off. So, uh, and that was going really slowly because nobody seemed to give a, give a you know. And so, so I tweeted line, so they've reached their goal. However, we still wanted to raise awareness around the whole thing because I'll tell you what is, seems to be going on with these teenagers, because you're wondering why, I, I haven't said how many teenagers in Enfield are missing, but there's, there's a lot. And there seems to be a connection with something, which I'll go into anyway in a moment. But just to finish off the fundraising thing is that we're in Somali culture because they came to uh, England about 10 years ago. And so in Somali culture, they, they, if, you, if you have a well in the name of the deceased person, um, if you, anybody who drinks from it, anybody who donates to make the well happen, and the deceased, they... Uh, they, 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 it's good. It's you know you get a benefit from it, and so it's, it's something uh, in Somali culture specifically. And um, so there's a fundraiser on the 20th of October. It's still <laughs> being uh, organised, but it's at the Africa Centre from 6 till 10 p.m. There'll be poets, Somali poets, and all the rappers. The uh, Abdi's dad will come and make a speech. The whole family will be there. It's 6 till 10 because there's going to be a lot of teenagers there as well but you know it'll be ticketed no no they've moved to somewhere near elephant castle i'll send you the details but anyway before that so so people started noticing or at least people in the area enfield started noticing that all these kids were going missing they're all between 12 and 18 uh, there's also a 21 year old missing and so they started tweeting about it because obviously you've got all these different missing people accounts but they don't seem to be under one umbrella so what you'll do if you follow a few of them you'll just start seeing pictures come up your twitter feed all the time of these missing children and somebody uh, can, I should have given you the picture but somebody connected the dots in December 2017 and took screenshots of all this and said what the hell is happening why are all these kids missing you know in Enfield specifically specifically Enfield and then some other people started whatever you know uh, talking about it on twitter Yet, still, there's only two articles that I've been able to find about these connecting the dots, and that is in Unilad, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, and a magazine called Vibe magazine. I'd never heard of Vibe ever. Unilad I had seen before, but they did two articles where they, you know, they both connected the dots, you know, what's going on. And so I'll tell you what seems to be going on, but it's not definite, um, is that uh, there are... 
gangs in um, North London, or they could be anywhere, but they're specifically going to Enfield. And let me t- actually, let me tell you a little bit about Enfield before, before that. It's, it's quite a poor area, obviously. I think 19.5% of the population there, of 355,000 uh, population, is uh, black, minority black, you know, BAME, whatever, mostly black. And a lot of them have uh, come as refugee families, not, not necessarily recently, maybe first gen or whatever, but, you know, and uh, I think there's a lot of space, according to a friend, there's like some abandoned buildings and so on, so it's quite a desolate area. I'm sure there's good things about Enfield, I'm not trying to slag off Enfield, I've never actually been there, my ex actually was from there, but I never went. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's a neglected area. I mean, there's been some hoo-ha recently about deselecting the MP up there, and most of the white left, no offense. <coughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, got very het up about deselecting her. I could not care less if she could. Well, it's, I mean, she, she, she should do her job. She obviously hasn't because she hasn't made a fuss about this. So, yeah, deselect her. But really, really, though, the point is, you know, there's more important things than the inner workings of the Labour Party deselecting. Why are you talking about this and not talking about that? And I know people say, what about me? But, you know, actually, people have died and are missing. So, I do think it's actually a bit more important. So, uh, so I have a little go at people as I do, but you know, <laughs> nothing uh, to it. I think they all have me muted by now, um, including the, what's his name? What was it? Uh, no, let me not go into beef. So, um, so, um, so yeah, I think it's quite important. So it's a remote area. So all these ch- children's missing. And so a few weeks ago, a friend of mine, Sarah O'Connell, spoke to me. She'd done a a. Uh, documentary, well, a short piece for BBC Newsnight, which she'd done over a few months. Um, I mean, she's an investigative journalist, and she's done a lot of stuff on gangs and so on, and she's got a lot of connections in that world all over London, and actually all outside of London as well. And so she did a little thing, which I still haven't watched, however, that's because she said don't bother watching because she felt that it wasn't edited as well as it, it, as it could be in the end, but still actually do watch because she's a great journalist and what it's about is something called County Lines. County Lines is something, that's what the police call it, other people might call it drug trafficking across borders, but not, not yeah, so county borders, uh, other people call it conch, I think that's the, uh, that's the term on the streets um, and what that is is that gangs will find a young person under 18 and they will either ask or force them to go outside of London somewhere and sell drugs for them or just sit in a house with the drugs because they're hiding them um, and these gangs I don't know I haven't seen any pictures I don't know who they are but I think they're of different races including black others and uh, so yes sometimes the kids will willingly go because they have they don't feel they've got any future and you know school is you know you know from cradle to grave at least muslims are targeted as, as, as the other black children as well in schools there's something called tiered learning streamed learning something that my nephews are actually affected by they were told at 11 that they couldn't ever aspire to get an a in their team could only get a C. I was very lucky. I was sent out of out of London, sorry, for schools, and, and and I was able to be in the top group. Not trying to crow, but I can't imagine myself if I had not ever been able to even at least aspire for a C. How I'd feel self-esteem-wise. 
Um, not that I got great GCSEs, but you know, also like I wouldn't have been able to do music as something that I studied, and I wouldn't have gone on to do A levels probably. Um, not that I did well at A levels either, but I would have, you know, then I wouldn't have gone to uni. You know, my whole life would be completely different if I hadn't, if I had only had the chance to aspire to a C. So this is what these kids are, uh, are dealing with, yeah. And so when some drug person comes up and say, "Yeah, I'll get you loads of money if you do this." Why would they say no? You know, maybe family life's not good, or it is, or whatever. But you know, they haven't got many options. But also, these gangs actually abduct people. There's a case where they took a young, I think, 19-year-old woman, took her to South Wales um, in a car, kept her in a house, destroyed her phone, and forced her to sell drugs while she was there. I mean, she's back out and she's not dead, thank God. Uh, so, uh, but you know, that's a documented case. Obviously, it's only documented in Unilad and Vibe magazine because who else cares? Uh, I guess news, BBC News might did, so that's not so bad. It's, it's, uh, been, it's 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 been, Against these people, the, the drug dealers and the and the children, uh, yeah, the drug dealers also. The children, they 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 pick the children because they're never going to have long sentences or destroy their life, but they won't so be. We're probably going to have to yeah. get that on, and then we'll okay. have discussions. Throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Thanks. Thank you, everybody. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so we'll just kind of go into a couple of points on that because um, there are a few things to pick up on. So. Um, so, first of all, there's the point that these things aren't covered, right? So, disproportionately not covered. They're and not then, covered in a connected way. Sometimes yeah. they are covered, but not in a connected way. Okay, and as a result, the likelihood of somebody being found if they've been abducted uh, significantly drops. Yeah. So, we have a sort of preferential treatment going on, which directly impacts on the safety of people because they're much more likely to be found and potentially found alive mm -hmm. and to be able to be helped if they've mm -hmm. been covered. So exactly. it's not just a case of what's, you know, about the case of selling newspapers, but also the case of like a civil duty to... Yeah, exactly. To I think public. you need to, you know, it needs a big fuss because that makes the police do something. I didn't even read out the quotes that the police have put out about this because they're not... They're not doing it in a connected way very much, so yeah. So yeah, yeah. So we need. That's why the media should cover it, so that they can either be found dead or alive. Yeah. And the last point I just wanted to pick up on is the fact that what what it seemed like you were saying was that these the connection between all of these things is gang related. So no, no. Not I'm saying it's poverty related. Poverty related. Yeah. And so, but poverty being a driver to then interacting with. Gangs? No, no, it's connected. Oh, everything's connected to poverty and uh, maybe education. But what's happening is that they're not in school, and that's due to poverty. Uh, they don't have any money. The family doesn't have any money. The poverty, so they are targeted specifically because of that sort of disconnect. That sort. Of, I mean, that people used to say subclass. I hate that term, but you know. That sort of thing. They're, they're, they're left out of society. Yeah. That's why they're targeted by gangs. Yeah. These gangs probably, you know, the people that are in it are exactly the same. They've come from the same background. Yeah. Not all of them. Some, I mean, you know, 
there's a lot of rich white people that sell cocaine and so on, but they're not treated the same way. Yeah. So. So before we move on to um, talking about um, arms and things like that, does anybody have any immediate questions relating to um, deaths of, of the under black? Yeah. I just really was interested when you were talking about how these are being treated under the anti-slavery laws. Mm -hmm. um, would you mind just saying, like, you, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, firstly, I guess the optics of that is absolutely, like, horrendous. I don't know what they're doing because, you know, using anti-slavery laws against black people is just ridiculous. How Considering the history of, um, of, of colonialism in this country and the history of, of British slavery. Um, how does that... Well, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you specifically, but one case I know, and I won't say names, but um, uh, uh, friends, of one of, actually one of my writers' uh, brother, who is a lecturer at a, a well-known institution called Oxford, uh, went in the area, but he was teaching, I, I can't remember, something in mental health, teaching uh, people off-site in a hotel. So the police came, uh, having had a tip-off or something, ran down his door uh, and arrested him. And he was like, what the hell is going on? So they told him that he was being arrested under anti-trafficking laws and having a gun. The man is like 40-year-old professor at Oxford. Uh, I believe he has dreadlocks. As does my brother, who's an accountant. So in practice, that's what happens. They, they knock down the door, think you are connected in some way in trafficking. And uh, arrested, yeah. All right, well, I think we'll, does anybody have any other questions before we move on? Because then we can break out and do a more detailed discussion. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much, Sam. Um, and I've made a bunch of notes so we can get back to it in our break up. But um, let me introduce Matt Kennard, investigative journalist. Uh, Matt, can you tell us about the arms trade? 